The Off the Huzzle Podcast would like to thank all their sponsors, TaylorMade Golf, Last Mountain Distillery, Molson Coors, Rubber Co., and Cutter and Buck Canada. Now, it's time for your starting lineup. The pro hockey player, Turner Ripplinger. The golf insider, Tori Coglin. The original co-host, Troy Koser. And your host, Drew Koser. Now, sit back and enjoy the podcast, Off the Hosel. Alrighty, hey everybody, welcome back to episode Off the Hosel, episode 133. My name is Drew Koser, I'm your host, joined by Tori Codlin, all the way down in Alabama, and across the world, Turner, the insider, Ripplinger in England, the boys are back. 133, off the hosel. Took another hiatus there, but we always just come back with big guests. It's weird. Uh, so quickly here, what's up, boys? What's happening? What's going on? 133, that's a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. With pause uh, breaks. Yeah, with pause. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, it's going well over here. Flames are buzzing. My parents are here right now, so nice. that's pretty that. cool. Yeah. Yeah, they got to see a game. What did we play? We played on Sunday. They loved it. Did you guys win again? Is it safe to assume? Yeah, one. We were up three nothing after the first. We went six fourth and empty netter. You guys just don't lose. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> how how big of a heater are you guys on right now? Uh, we're first place by three points, I think. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, we lost. Two oh, in a row. oh, it's about time someone else is getting better in your league. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We lost two in a row like a couple weeks back and haven't lost since again. But we got another big one tomorrow um, in the Champions Cup against Belfast, who's also nasty. Are your parents going to still be there for that? Yeah, it's at home tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, they're here for another week. So, Let's see a couple more games. Deadly. Tori, what's new with you? There's nothing new with me, man. Just selling beverages and kids and all that. And, yeah, tornadoes going through like crazy. Oh, but yeah, I heard. We, we remained unscathed, so that's good. We're thankful and thinking of everyone who did get affected. But, um, but yeah, no, all, all, is, all is well. Do you guys have, like, a tornado safe spot? in your place or no yeah well like not like a bunker or anything like that but we have so we have we do have a basement and there's a a crawl space in the center of it um so i i feel pretty confident in that um but no it, it 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 was scary at times um they said our house was in the in the range at one point and then it wasn't both kids were at school which are totally apart from each other. And then Sarah's at work, I was at work. So it was a bit of mayhem, but uh, the, the schools here do a good job of communicating with us. Uh, like they send like mass texts saying like, we're doing this, we're doing this. So, but it, everything turned out fine here. Uh, but I know not far from here, a lot of people were affected. So that stinks. Um, but uh, we're very thankful that, that we didn't get any damage of any sort. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. 
Koala episode 133. This is the pre-show. We had seven minutes to our guest on today. So we got to mention that our pre-show is brought to you by Rubberco. It was founded in 2021. Tons to offer. Got rubber mats, flooring, speed bumps, parking curbs, and so much more. You can follow us on social media at rubber.co. You can check out the website at www.rubberco.com. And you can call 306-541-9840. Think with your head and choose the right rubber. About <laughs> Abam. 20.2 thousand views on this video that we posted. Rubber Crow. Thank you, Laurent Ice Wolves. Um, okay. Pre-show. We had a great guest on today, but let's, let's rip through some stuff here. NFL. Tom Brady's done. Tori, you're kind of a football yeah. guy. Uh, Tor- uh, Turner, where is that with this? Who's winning? I don't watch yeah. that much, but... Well, Tom Brady lost yesterday. Yeah, so he ain't yeah. winning. Said that. How about the Jaguars? Okay. Yeah, that was wild. I watched the highlights <laughs> the next day. <laughs> that is hilarious that they won a playoff game after, like last year, being so trash with Urban Meyer there, and then they just go ahead and make the playoffs and then accidentally win a game. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a dog. Yeah, and then. He, he went to Waffle House for dinner after. <laughs> Pro move. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. National National I hope he picked Waffle up House? the ticket for the whole restaurant. Yeah. Th- th- those videos online about the Waffle House are nuts. Do you see those? No? About the waffles? The Waffle House. Like there's like full-on brawls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like <laughs> where you go. Two thirty-eight. It's like Denny's up in Canada, basically. It's like where you go to eat when it's two thirty. Everyone's hammered, and yeah. people just go it's there. Like I've and seen exactly hammered. zero tilts in Denny's. Yeah, so it's the opposite, but the same. I see. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much same, same but different. Okay, uh, and, okay. What else in the NFL? What do we, what do we got here? Who's gonna win? Uh, shit. Eagles probably. Are they gonna win? Are they still playing? Well, n- Eagles had a bye. Um, right. so they're winning. So, well, they're still alive. But, uh, what else happened? Oh, uh, the Vikings, that's my team. Um, they did me a favor and went ahead and lost early instead of getting my hopes up. So I've got good practice for when the Maple Leafs make the playoffs. Yeah, on the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, kind of warmed me up. They've both done me the same way. So, so that's good because I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think they're actually going to win this week just to get – just to, you know, get my interest up a little more and then lose at the end. So they got it over with, kind of like ripping a Band-Aid off. So I'm good. I'm good. They're done. Yeah. Hey, who's your prediction then? Who's going to win? Win it all? Yeah. Uh, Buffalo. Okay. Yeah, that's a safe one. I'll go San Fran. I'm going to say Eagles. Not the band. <laughs> I hope the I hope the Eagles win. Um, yeah. I hope I yeah I don't like San Fran so yeah we'll go with I'll, I'll go Eagles. Buffalo. We got three different picks. I like it. Okay, yeah. NHL. We got three and a half minutes here. The Bruins are a wagon. They don't lose at home. Uh, where are we at? Who, Unless they who, play Seattle. Valid. <laughs> yeah, lose? seriously. Did they lose at home to Seattle? Oh yeah. Which are also. They're kind of nasty. Like, like they're a real deal this year. Yeah, C- Seattle's won like twelve in a row on the road or something like that. Yeah, and they're, they're scoring goals like crazy. Stinks. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
those jerseys, I mean, good. How, how like how do you not play well in those jerseys? Yeah, true. It's like right, right to the bar after just raving in those things. They're so good. Not not to dodge away from oh. NHL, but how about the, the uh, under eighteen women's team Canada? Little yeah. just tanking everyone. <laughs> yeah, ten, 10 zip rip. in the final. How are you? Yeah, good for them. That's unbelievable. One girl had a hat trick in five minutes into the game. That was like me and like novice. Like playing it's like coach when he's on the out there rank with ten year olds. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't you and novice. <laughs> it's you against novice players, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Oh, Scotia Wealth Open now out. Yeah, I saw, up. saw that. Nipple. Get your entries what in. Rip, rip. Rip. You playing this year, Rip? Busy. Ripper. Busy. Busy. Rip, I'll come up and caddy for you. Yeah, right. I talked to Dino the other day. I told him I might not even play, but I might just come up. Just roam around the course. And pause. Yeah, like, let's do it. I'm so I'm so washed up. I, I'll just come up, but if you play, I'll caddy for you. Why don't yeah. we just live pot it like, on the whole course? I'm retired now. I told you, I already did my thing. I got the nationals. I'm done. Made the cut. Yeah, you went the nationals. Oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. We know. We know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't know last year. We know. Uh, made it to nationals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retiring. <laughs> Full time pod. We should just do that live on like whole, and that's a hole I want to sit on. Just watch balls go into the bush. Oh, just mayhem. <laughs> Bushes. Just the whole time. Bushes. It's it's birdie right or flag. double. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> flag. So yeah, nip one. Play it. Sign up. If you don't, you're missing out. What a punt. See Woo Kim. Nice win at Sony. Bang. Maybe our guest will know. Uh, maybe our guest will know. Or it, oof, maybe our guest would have Holy went and fuck walked fuck. it. Sorry, I was trying to say something yeah. else. I think I just tripped okay. over your tongue. Holy <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let's go to our guest. Uh, he's probably waiting here. Um, a veteran. Nail gun from Boston. We love the Boston, Boston. boys. Over 3,000 penalty minutes in the National Hockey League. Good. He has a podcast with our boy, Stapes. Play for three teams, three legit teams. Won a Stanley Cup. Not bad. Chris Nyland. Boys, thoughts before we go Nux. to our guest today. Knox. If your if your nickname is Knuckles, I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. He's the guy at the Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. No, just, he's the guy that clears the Waffle House out. <laughs> yeah. He's just picking up people and throwing them. And then he eats your French toast. They're actually sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just bring Knox out. You buy him mm-hmm. waffles and then he beats the wheels off you. Oh, okay. So that's it. Chris Nyland, uh, episode 133. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Lost Mountain Distilleries spring seasonal releases are here. They have a ton of great options for this spring and summer, like hibiscus lime vodka, sweet tea vodka, local coconut vodka, and local watermelon vodka. With the nice weather coming, it's time to get out on the patio and enjoy a taste of Saskatchewan from Last Mountain Distillery, Saskatchewan's first micro distillery. Keep an eye out for the ready-to-drink beverages, raspberry mojito, gin fizz, and mango seltzer, which are coming soon. Can't make it out to the distillery in Lumsden? No problem. Their products are available online or at most retailers across the province. Head to lastmountaindistillery.com to learn more.
All righty, we're pleased to have on the podcast today from Boston, Massachusetts. He's an alumni of the National Hockey League, playing in 688 games, tallying 110 goals, 115 assists for 225 career points, and racked up over 3,000 penalty minutes. Suited up for the Canadians, the Rangers, and his hometown team, the Boston Bruins. He was a tough customer. Now his own podcast called Raw Knuckles, and his co-host with our boy, Tim Stapleton. Without further ado, we're pleased to have on today, Chris Nylon. Hey guys. Oh, what an intro, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, and your boy, Tim Stapleton, is my boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're if we're gonna throw hands, I'll you can you can have him. He's all yours. <laughs> yeah, He's all yours. Not Tori said he could take you. We're just talking about <laughs> okay. that. No, I can take I, I might I might have a chance with Tim, but <laughs> I don't want to fight a guy with the nickname Knuckles, though. Oh. Yeah, that's intimidating. Uh, uh, Chris, first off, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. You know, what's new with you? How are things? Obviously the weather down in Hawaii looks unbelievable. Um, how, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. I'm just over here. My, my girlfriend is from here. We're, uh, at the home that she grew up in a beautiful home. And, um, there's an in-law apartment here and, uh, her mom rents it out to, um, get some extra income. And we, uh, the people, uh, lived in there for 16 years they just moved out and, and you know it was in rough shape so we gutted it and uh painted it we just put the floor in yesterday and uh yeah i'm trying to i i got to i've been here two weeks i've been to the beach one time so uh work <laughs> work work my, my life hasn't changed one bit it's all work where did you meet your girlfriend uh we met in oregon and uh yeah we started dating and uh, she left Hawaii to come and live in Montreal with me. Oh, cool. that was, that was, uh, in 2011. Uh, yeah. 2011. So, uh, yeah, about, uh, 12 years we've been there. Her mother thinks she's nuts. Her friends think she's nuts. And, um, <laughs> I don't think she's nuts at all. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Oregon is where most Boston and uh, Hawaii relations relationships begin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, uh, it's funny. We met and uh, started dating, went for dinner and started dating. And, and uh, yeah, things worked out. And here we are, 12, uh, 13 years later, almost. Fantastic. Chris, uh, you know, I want to backtrack to, you know, a younger Chris born in Boston. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of great guys on from, you know, Boston, the end the area, you know, what were you doing as a youngster, you know, sports hobbies kind of just in general? Well, growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, um, you know, uh, we used to hang around street corner, a lot of kids from the neighborhood. We gather on the street corner and, uh, there was a lot of us, you know, and, um, you know, we always got together. We played hoop, uh, we had a schoolyard right next, about two doors down from my house. Uh, I grew up in, there was a, uh, a basketball court down there. Yeah. And it was in the schoolyard of a, uh, a school called Catholic Memorial High School, where I ended up going to high school. And uh, I used to, we used to play street hockey there, basketball. Uh, I shoot pucks off the wall down there all the time. And the other end of the street, uh, in the uh, 70s, uh, late 60s, 
uh, early 70s, they built a um, late 60s. They built a, a, a hockey rink at the end of my street. What happened? Bobby Orr came to town. Uh, and there were only a few rinks around the city, the Boston Skating Club, the colleges had them, Boston Arena, BU, Boston College, Harvard. And they wanted uh, hockey became really big. Right. It was always kind of big. But when Orr came, man, everybody loved Bobby Orr. And, and it yeah. just took it to another level. So the state and the city got together and they started building rinks. Uh, in the neighborhoods around the city, kind of as a, a place to keep kids off the street from hanging on the street, uh, yeah. uh, from doing stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I have one right there in my street and it worked out perfect for me. You know, I, I, I public skated a lot before um, I played hockey because they didn't start the league until like the second year of the rink. But um, yeah. So, you know, I, a lot of kids, uh, inner city kids who, who we, like I said, we play baseball. We play, I played all sports growing up with my friends. Awesome. Perfect. So I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off a of young Chris here. Um, when did you like figure out like, Hey, like you're pretty good at hockey. Was it like you on the outdoor rink or like, was it when you're starting to get offers from college? No, it, you know, it was, um, uh, geez, I don't know. Hey, I played minor like Pee Wee, Bantam, all that stuff. And uh, I made an all-star team uh, called Hub City. It was a, a group uh, of players from kids from all around the city, different neighborhoods. I grew up in West Roxbury. There's South Boston. There's Dorchester. There's Charlestown. There's um, High Park. There's all these different neighborhoods in the city. And they all had teams. And they there's a city league, and you could play in the city league. But what... Um, the uh, I played in that my first couple of years of Boston Neighborhood Hockey League, and I played for West Roxbury. And then we won the Pee Wee Championship in the city. And then the coach who coached me in that started an all-star team of all-city kids. Yeah. And we started to play more around the state and different towns in the state. And uh, that's how hockey got started for me. And it started in the Charlie Doyle League, and then we went to the um, the – the state league. And then, um, you know, I played high school hockey too at Catholic Memorial and um, my senior year, I was 17 years old. I didn't play varsity hockey in high school until I was a junior. I played freshman. Oh. Then I played JV and my junior year, I made varsity. My senior year was probably the year that things started to turn for me. Um, and I ended up, uh, uh, graduating that year I was graduating I went into uh, my guidance counselor who happened to be my coach coach Hansen and I said listen I'm I'm leaving school I'm 18 years old everybody's going off to college I'm not uh I didn't have the best grades but not the worst but um uh, my parents didn't have the money to send us to college so uh coach Hansen said listen here's the deal why don't you think of going to prep school for a year so I started investigating different prep schools, Northwood School, Brewster Academy, all these different schools, New Hampton Prep. And I went up to um, uh, Lake Placid to uh, a school called Northwood School. And I got a recommendation from another hockey coach of mine 
who was a very good friend, dear friend, judge, and he was also a judge in a court in Boston, <laughs> Paul King. And Judge King wrote a recommendation for me. I got into prep school along with Mr. Hansen's recommendation, and I went and prepped a year. And when I went up there for a year, I got most improved player. I got most improved student. And wow. I ended up getting a scholarship uh, from that at Northeastern University. And I went and played. Uh, I went off to play college hockey the following year. So spe speaking of, uh, you were talking about like, you guys didn't have a ton of money. Like, was it affordable then for your parents and stuff to put you through hockey or for kids well, yeah, in Boston? Somewhat. I mean, I had a lot of hand-me-down stuff, but yeah, I mean, hockey was certainly back then it was more affordable, but it's all relative, right? It's still an expensive right. sport. Uh, even back then, you know, when you look back then, you, you know, you know, you play basketball, you get a pair of sneakers, a pair of, gym shorts and yeah. you know i get put in school yeah yeah um, no it sounds just listening to other I, podcasts and stuff, stuff. It, it sounds so yeah. expensive in the states right now yeah it is and you know uh certainly my parents did everything they could to to afford me the opportunity to play paying for the leagues i was in all that stuff uh so yeah it was cool and um that that year i got out of northwood prep school um Judge King was also good friends with Fernie Flamin at Northeastern University. And Fernie um, um, came to see me play one game at prep school, offered me a, a scholarship to Northeastern University. Uh, I got a full scholarship. And that next year, uh, 1976, my first year at Northeastern University. Awesome. So, Chris, I have to ask. So, so you went on. Northeast. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it was Northeastern the only school that you actually talked to? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't uh, a heavily recruited guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity at St. Anselm. They were D2 school. Uh, but I got that opportunity uh, mainly because of the judge's relationship with um, Fernie Flamin, yeah. uh, who played for the Bruins, Fernie years ago and he became the coach at northeastern so yeah i got my break through uh judge king and coach flamin fuck you got a pretty good program you went to there yeah yeah awesome program well chris i wanted to ask you, you know went on to northeastern uh, played three years and then i was curious like, obviously what was that like and then you didn't finish or and you went right to pro i was curious on that so i mean obviously you played three full years and then went i think started in the american league but you know, walk us through your time at Northeastern, obviously how much you developed. Well, it was, um, you know, I got drafted after my second year. I wanted to leave school. Uh, it was a big jump going to college, obviously, playing D1 hockey at the time for me. Right. Um, and um, I played my first two years. I had a couple injuries off the ice. I ended up in a fight off the ice where I got teeth in my hand and ended up getting an infection, landed me in the hospital. So I missed part of my um, first year. Uh, and then I second year, I broke my hand too in a fight. But I ended up missing a few games with that and came back and played the rest of the season. I got drafted. Um, my I was going to leave school after second year, but my dad uh, really pushed me to stay and said, you know, chance of making the NHL really small and right. you should get your education. 
So he pled with me to stay in school, which I did. I stayed in one more year. And um, uh, I had a pretty good year. And then um, uh, I made up my mind that I wanted to leave school because I wasn't paying attention to school. I wasn't doing the work. I wanted to play hockey. And I ended up leaving and um, uh, going to camp in Montreal in 1979-80. 79, my first uh, season going to camp. They had just won four Stanley Cups in a row. And, you know, a lot of people just okay. thought they're, that they're there's okay. no way I'm going to be able to break into that yeah. lineup. And, um, you know, I, I get why uh, people thought it, thought that way. Again, I wasn't the best player, wasn't the best skater, uh, and I really didn't fight in hockey. So I, I I know why people thought that way and and certainly valid reasons, but uh I had I had a plan in mind and um uh I was gonna make sure I hella high water I was gonna get to yeah. the NHL. So. Right. So did you did you I guess this is kind of jumping forward, but did you get a lot of your toughness from like being around Boston and stuff growing up? And like, did you fight a lot? I like, fought a lot growing up on the, the street. Yeah, off the ice. Uh, a lot of street fighting, fighting in the clubs. Uh, yeah, stuff with my friends, sticking up for my friends, fighting all stupid shit, you know, but yeah. fighting all the same. And uh, yeah. And plus, you know, my dad was a Green Beret. I know. Uh, he was a, my dad was a hot ass. And, um, you know, he always taught me to stick up for myself, stick up for my yeah. friends. Uh, I was fiercely loyal to my friends and family. And uh, if I felt they were being treated in a disrespectful way, then uh, I was going to treat someone in a disrespectful way. The way you said so, you got teeth yeah. in your fist. <laughs> so nonchalantly. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Well, well, I'm fine. My, my neighborhood up... was different than yours, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, probably. But, you know, deal with some different things in life growing up, you know, drugs, alcohol around a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, you got to navigate your way through those streets. It's not easy to grow up anywhere as a as a young kid. Yeah. Trying your way in life is, is pretty difficult. And I think. Growing up in the environment I did helped me in a lot of ways and served me well. Uh, certainly served me well as a hockey player, but also served me well in life in a lot of ways. I grew up with some really strong core values from uh, my mom and dad um, that were instilled in me um, as a young kid. And um, I carried those with me in life. And I have lived the perfect life, no question about it, but a lot of those values... Uh, come in handy uh for me in navigating those streets i grew up in and also navigating life uh later on when i ended up well with some problems it's my favorite thing about you boston guys friends and family number one yeah yeah, yeah. you ever uh, rob a bank <laughs> um no but i I've you know friends. a couple of people who have corner yeah. stores yeah of course I do. corner stores <laughs> So being from Boston, like you spent your first nine years of your pro career in Montreal, like was it, so being a Boston guy, was it tough to put on a Canadian sweater or were you just happy to be in the NHL? Yeah, it was tough. My first, um, my first season, it was really difficult. Um, 
going there to the training camp. I didn't like, you know, I hated the Canadians. They always beat yeah. the Bruins. And, and mind you, let me go back. The only reason I got drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, and I got drafted in the 17th round, 231 out of 235 in 1978. Judge King, my coach, <laughs> yeah. who got me into Northeastern, was very good friends with Dickie Moore and Doug Harvey. And uh, the judge at the time, Doug uh, Harvey was a scout and Dickie was in business, but Dickie still was around the team a lot. Yeah. And uh, they both went in and talked to Sam Pollock and said, listen, uh, we have a friend, Judge Paul King out of Boston, plays at Northeastern. And he asked if we do him a favor and just invite him to training camp, draft him with one of our last picks and bring right. him to training camp. And Sam Pollock did that in 78. That's why I was one of, I was the last pick in the Montreal. I think there was one guy taking after me. But, um, yeah, they picked me. Uh, and not thinking that, oh, geez, he'll ever amount to anything. They were going to invite me <laughs> to camp. I was going to go there and say, oh, yeah, I went to camp with the yeah. Habs. Well, <laughs> play a decade for So him. that was the idea of it all. And I guess I, I kind of surprised some people. Uh, in the process of we, we would have that little... printed on a shirt if I, if any of us got invited to the camp we'd be fired up right chris yeah. uh nine years Man, I, I gotta become some friends with judges huh. Huh. Right. it's gotta be the right judge yeah it's gonna be the right one chris nine years with the with the canadians 85 86 years won a cup uh, you play with guys like Chelios, Wall, Robinson, you know, Bob Ganey, the list goes on, you know, walk I mean, how special was that for you, you know, your family and just obviously the camaraderie with that group you guys had. Oh, it was awesome. You know, listen, I got there my first year, I ended up going to Halifax um, and, uh, you know, I played 49 games in Halifax and I ended up, uh, scoring 15 goals and had 10. So 20 points. I had 304 minutes in penalties. That got me called up. <laughs> um, I fought every night, fought everybody and anybody, uh, and and certainly got the attention of the Canadians. I'm kind of – I didn't have a contract. I went to camp uh, to Halifax. I, I They gave me a five-game tryout contract at $200 a game. And the first game I played was in Maine. Uh, it was like the fourth game of the season. And Maine had kicked the shit out of the uh, Voyagers the year before in the playoffs. Beat them four straight, beat them up, everything. Kicked the shit out of them. And my first game, they let me out of the cage in Maine. <laughs> and I ended up, um, you know, I honestly, I didn't go in thinking, oh, I'm going to be a fighter. I wanted to play hockey, but... I was going to play the brand of hockey I watched growing up, and that was the Bruin. So yeah. I ran one guy on the main team who's a pretty tough guy, um, Glenn Cochran. And it's a big boy, 6'4", 2, whatever, 230, 240, I don't know. And I run him, and he turned around and chopped me, and I chopped him back, and he dropped the glove. So we went, started swinging away. I cut him open. I didn't know shit from Shinola, Shinola when it comes to how things work in the NHL pro hockey. 
Anyway, we got in that fight. He went nuts trying to come after me. I went after him. We both get kicked out of the game. The next day, the coach and general manager, Bert Templeton, uh, the coach of the punch-up in Pistony, if you remember, yeah. uh, Bert was the coach of that. And um, he ended up calling my room the next day and said, hey, Chris, uh, uh, can you come down my room? I mean, sure. And I come down there. What the hell? Am I in trouble? I, I got kicked out of the game. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I come down the room. He says, hey, do you have an agent? I said, no, I don't. My agent. I don't have a fucking agent. I was 17 round. <laughs> I don't want to fucking represent me. And he said, well, you better find one because the Canadians want to sign you to a contract. And I'm there. What? He said, listen, what you did last night. Someone saw that they want to sign you a contract. So I'm there. Cool. I had to get an agent. And uh, I found one through Bobby Orr. And um, I ended up uh, 10 days later uh, signing a contract with wow. the Canadian. And yeah, 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 so I was just happy to have that five game tryout at 200 bucks a game. Yeah. And next, I played one game and I had a contract the next, well, that next week but uh, pretty okay. cool yeah, no you care. know but um yeah so those games down there that was big for me uh, you know i learned the fight game down there uh what i had to do i learned a lot more when i got to the nhl um but you know i got end up getting called up um in january i think that yeah my first game was in atlanta my second game was in philly i ended up fighting um bob kelly uh, the hound dog Kelly uh, had an assist in that game on the winning goal, and I was off and running. And uh, man, friggin' was awesome. That is sick. Two hundred a game though, that's not bad. I play for that nowadays. Yeah, you play that for the Southern <laughs> Marlins. <laughs> Senior hockey, uh, Chris. Uh, I mean, obviously, so you won a cup. I said I think eighty five, eighty six. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, like just how, how cool was that moment for you? Awesome. You know, listen, when I can't, you know, I, I know I kind of backtracked Americanly. No, it was a big jump, jump and big stepping stone, but you know, coming at the Canadians and those four Stanley cups in a row. And, you know, we we're going for number five and we lost in game seven, first round of the playoffs against Minnesota. It's back when they did one played 16. Yeah. And Minnesota bit first year, Bobby Smith, um, and Al McAdams scored an overtime of game seven in Montreal, beat us. So the team, they were starting to dismantle it. Guys were leaving. LaMere left. Dryden retired. Um, Conway for the injury. So guys were starting to, that team four in a row was starting to break up. And there were changes. And, you know, I was there for that. I was one of those changes. And, you know, it was we were still competitive, really competitive, but it took time to build up again. And uh, that team in 85, 86, man, we had a great group of guys. And everybody said, oh, if Edmonton, you know, didn't lose. Yeah. No, yeah. you wouldn't have ever won that Stanley Cup. Yeah. And you know what I say? Well, they fucking lost and they didn't deserve to be there. <laughs> if my aunt had not, she'd be my uncle. Sorry. And, uh, you know, that was fine with me, but. That playoff run was incredible. You know, we beat Boston. The first round was three out of five. We beat them three straight. 
went to seven games with Hoffman, who had an unbelievable team that year, right? Francis, Deneen, um, uh, Samuelson, Mike Liu. They had an awesome hockey team. And, um, yeah, you know, we game seven, overtime, Claude Lemieux scored. Patrick stood in his head. His unbelievable goalie. Uh, but we had a really good hockey team. And then, you know, we made short work of um, uh, New York Rangers, beat them four games to one, and then we beat Calgary four games to one. So really the toughest goal for us was game uh, that Hartford series. And Claude Lemieux and Patrick Waugh were incredible throughout the playoffs. Patrick won the con smite, but Claude Lemieux came in second, but, man, they they should have split the trophy in two yeah. that year. I he had like five game winning goals. He had I think two overtime winners closed. He was incredible. Um so we had a great mix of them older guys and Larry and Bob Ganey who really um kind of carried the flag somewhat for us. Right. And those middle middle aged guys. And then we had that uh, blend with the rookies who fit right in and yeah, it was an incredible season, and win the cup was awesome. That's sweet. Rip, Tori? <clears throat> what was the parade like? Insane, you know. Yeah. A million people. Um, wow. You know. Just, just free poutine day. forever, hey, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Just free poutine forever after you win that cup. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> poutine. I don't know. I'm not a huge poutine fan. Some of it I like. But really? Nine years in Montreal. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Le Bonquise is a place in Montreal that's really good. Le Bonquise, I love it. Um, they got my I guess my favorite is their gravy's really good. It's not thick and uh, yeah. it's it's kind of a light one. Yeah. Yeah, I hate thick gravy and uh mushroom mushroom jalapeno. Um it was incredible, Putin. Mushroom, jalapeno, Putin. The that best sounds, at La Banquise. dangerous. So, yeah, that's my favorite. Of course, you're going to order that when I want this. it. It's going to be a bad day to be a right now. Okay. Uh, Chris, after the, you know, obviously the Rangers, or after Montreal, you go on to play for New York, another, you know, big city, big team. Uh, how was that transition, you know, going from Montreal to, you know, New York, New York? It sucked. Because I never wanted to play for another team than the really? Canadians. I never, oh. I hated it. I don't know how guys do it. Um, I never wanted to leave Montreal. And um, I kind of, I had it out with the coach a little bit. He challenged me saying when's the last time I had a fight. And I had some words to, uh, to him, Jean Perron. And, um, you know, I put the general manager, Serge Savard, who was a friend, in a bad position. It was either me or the coach, and he decided to keep the coach. And, um, you know, he fired him fucking four months, five months later. Right. So it was kind of, uh, in my eyes, a mistake by the organization and Serge. And I'm yeah. not saying it, but I'm going to say it. They played Calgary again in the playoffs two years later. And they lost in the Stanley Cup final because you know what? They missed someone like me. Yeah, they're soft. I'm not saying we would have won, but they wouldn't it wouldn't have been like it was. They lost in five games. And right. I just, you know, or game six, maybe, six game. Um, but anyway, the New York experience, I 
I wanted to stay in the East. I wanted to stay close to Boston. I actually asked to be traded to Boston, and he couldn't do that surge, so he traded me in New York. Uh, I'm glad I went to original 16, but it was still – Yeah, just different. It wasn't the same. I was getting yeah. a little older, too, a little beat up. And, um, you know, I, I, I was okay in New York, but I got some injuries. I, you know, I broke my arm twice. I tore ligaments in my knee. So I missed some games, you know, right. um, yeah. and it was difficult, but, um, then I ended up going to Boston in 90 to come home. And, uh, that was an experience. My first year was awesome. I broke my ankle though. Oh. Got named the all-star team. I broke my ankle playing basketball. Um, hold on. All right, tell us a story. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, we all know they put the parquet on. Uh, we lost really bad to I don't know who. And Mike Milbury came in after the game. He said, You guys don't want to work during the game? Um, come in tomorrow and you can work nine to five. Be here at nine o'clock and we're going to work all day and you can go home at five. See what it's like to work all day, nine to five. Everybody's like, oh, fuck you. You know, they're thinking. So we, in, we watched the game tape from 9 to, I don't know, like 11, 15, went over all this shit. And then he said, okay, you can go to lunch now. So it was around quarter to 12. And some guys went across the street. And we are going to head o- over across the street. And I heard the ball bouncing out on the floor with the Boston Garden. So I saw some of the guys out there. And yeah, screw it. Well, I'll play some hoop. I jumped up to block a shot. I came down, stepped on someone's ankle and rolled it. Broke my ankle. I got screws in it, fucking wires in it till today. And um, I didn't go to the All-Star game. Fucking that one decision. And if that fucking asshole Millberry didn't make us. <laughs> and listen, I love, my, I love playing for Millberry. <laughs> if he didn't fucking call that stupid practice practice nine to five fucking thing yeah um it it could have been all different i guess but who knows but you know coming home was really neat getting to play with ray bork who i admired respected and loved uh he was an awesome teammate cam Neely. um that was fun just seeing what it was like to play and be a bruin but i i, I got there at the end of my career you know it would have been so different if i started there yeah yeah but it, it was no, it was a good experience. Who who was your favorite coach to play for? Lemaire. Jacques yeah. Lemaire, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, one of my my two favorite coaches was certainly Claude Rell because he helped me develop um and, and work with me on a lot of the skills of the game you need, uh fundamentals. So didn't Lemaire. Lemaire took it to another level for me. You know, scoring 21 goals. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that. with I could have done that without him. But, boy, he really worked on things with me that helped. And you saw the improvement on the ice, you know, in the game. Uh, and one of them was we always had a puck on our stick in practice. There's never no skating with, you know, let's, let's go skateboard to board. You always had a puck. Yeah. And he said that. He questioned me one day. He said, hey, how long you you know why I do these drills on? I don't know, so I can get better with the puck. He said, yeah, but he said, think about this. How long you have the puck on your stick in a game? And I'm going, ah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the league, what, three years. I mean, I don't know about 
I don't know, a minute and a half. He said, a minute and a half. Who you think you're fucking Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> he said, you're lucky if you have it on your stick for 10 seconds in a game. I'm there, what? He said, think about it. And I did. Yeah. I'm there. I know what he's right. He said, so when you have it, you better be able to do something good with it. You know? You have it for that short time, you got to do something good with it. Say 20 seconds tops in a game. Yeah. You'll have it. A, a player your caliber. And I thought of it. I'm there, yeah. He said, well, I want you to be able to handle it. I want you to be able to do something good with it. And another area of the game he stressed with me was away from the puck. When you don't have the puck, because you're not going to have it a lot of time, you have to be an effective player on the ice. He was incredible for me and mm -hmm. uh, just an awesome coach. I love playing for Millbury. Um, I like playing in New York. Roger Nielsen was awesome. I like most of my coaches. I didn't care for um, Jean Perron. Bob Berry at the beginning taught me to work hard and push me. Um, I liked him. I liked all my coaches. Rick Bonus, I liked as a person, but as a coach, I didn't like him. Because at the Fair. time, he was a puppet for Harry Sinden. Sinden kind of was pulling the strings on him. and uh, But Rick Bonus is a wonderful guy. But at that time, uh, he got – when Millbury went upstairs as assistant GM, um, um, he took over as coach. So, you know, they were telling him what to do half the time. And uh, anyway, so but I was, didn't – Was Jacques the coach of the 93 Canadians that won the Cup? Uh, that was Jacques Demers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Chris, you play with Chelios. What was he like? I met him a couple of times when I was younger, but I wish I would would have met him at this point in my life now. Yeah. But what was he like as a guy? Just great guy. Loved hockey. You know, hot head. Um, stick up for you. Like, drop of a dime. Be one of them guys. You know, there's a picture. I remember all the time. There's a uh, picture of me and O'Reilly squaring up, and there's Chelios getting in, and he's kind of putting his arm on O'Reilly, trying to keep him away from me. And then <laughs> that big brawl on the uh, before the game, Philadelphia. Um, Chelly played with Dave Brown, right. and he was trying to keep Bronny away from me too, because he knew Bronny. He knew Bronny wouldn't do nothing to him, and he's trying to stick up for me again. But not yeah. many guys stuck up for me, but Chelly was one that always would. Chelly was an awesome guy is an awesome guy he um he's passionate about the game loves hockey is at the rink all the time you know first one not first one there all lafleur was always the first one there but shelly one of the first ones there last ones to leave worked out like a maniac um and he was fun off the ice too we had a blast <laughs> the best part speak speaking of fun off the ice did you did you play with uh lyle Lodeline? Ooh, Odie? Yeah. Oh, Odie. I just saw Do you have any good Odie lunch Odie lunch stories? I just I got traded back. I got picked up off of waivers from Boston my last year. And Odie was there. He just freaking loved me. And I loved him. And funny i hadn't seen odie since the canadians had their um yeah 
celebration. I saw him up there. I hadn't seen him in years. He married a girl from Pittsburgh. And I was in Pittsburgh about four months ago. And uh, I was out at a steakhouse having dinner. And the waitress come up to me. Is, uh, is there a Chris Nyland at this table? And I'm like, yeah, right here. What's up? She said, there's somebody over at the bar that says they know you. And they'd love to see you. And I come walking. I get up from the table. I'm with a buddy of mine. I get up. I walk down the bar. And who's at the end of the bar? Lyle Overline. It's like, <laughs> oh, it was so awesome to see him. I love Odie. Isn't he from Saskatchewan, boys? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I played with his kid in university. Yeah. Okay. Look at yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a character. Awesome. Dress. Uh, Let's talk about your uh, when you do the tours with like the alumni. You got any good stories when you're on those tours and crossing Canada and all that? Yeah, you know what's nice. Uh, for me to get to see, I've I've been through every province now: Saskatchewan, uh, Alberta, and well, I've done a lot of those tours where you go around and back when we played, you get the game sheet before the game, you see where all these guys are from. Good soil, Ron Gresham, good soil, Saskatchewan. Um, yeah. You see all these little towns, um, you know, wherever the Sutter's from, Alberta, um, wherever the hell they're oh from. God. We drove through that town. It said the home of the Sutter's. So it was kind of cool thinking back. Every time you look at the game, all right, the guys on the other team, you see the little town, Ontario, yeah. Saskatchewan, British Columbia, you know? Yeah. And then... You'd be driving through and see the name, and I'd say, "Oh, I know that name. Someone played here." And then someone would say, "Yeah, so and so's from here." It was really cool to be able to, because what I see in in Canada, Toronto, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, yeah, Vancouver, and those are great cities. Yeah, I love Vancouver. I love Vancouver, but those little towns I never got to visit, and it was cool to see Canada that way. And um, yeah. You know, we just go and have fun, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes you get places where guys get a little too serious and they want to win the game. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something fucking stupid. Yeah. Instead of just go and fucking play hockey. People aren't there to see you. They're here to see all them <laughs> yeah. superstars that I'm playing with, like Dale Howard, Chuck, or Steve Shot or all. You know, whoever played back in the day, a bunch of guys. But I had a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun to do. Okay, well, let's go to our uh, <laughs> questions from the gallery, and then we'll uh, we'll get it going here. Sponsored by Rubber Co. Founded in 2021. Tons to offer. We got rubber mats, rubber flooring, speed bumps, parking curbs, and so much more. You can follow us on social media at rubber.co. Check out the website at www.rubbercrow.com. And you can call as well, 306-541-9840. Chris and everyone else out there, think with your head and choose the right rubber. All right. There we go. Rubber Co. The Rubber Co. Minute. It is. Chris. Uh, Fired up for this. For, I mean, first question we got to ask is, you know, your boy slash our boy, but we'll give you the edge. Gotcha on the podcast. Uh, how's your podcast doing? Raw Knuckles. How to start? How's it going? Doing pretty good. You know, I, I think we're doing well. Um, you know, I um, I met Tim at an NHL function, uh, not an NHL function, but a bunch of NHL guys, and yeah, 
we ended up uh, hitting it off a little bit. When I saw it in the podcast, I saw him on Spitting Chicklets, and I thought he was funny. Uh, the, the the times I was around him, I thought he was funny. Uh, I thought he was funny, <laughs> and I thought he was funny. <laughs> but I liked him. I liked his personality. He's a good kid. And I thought, you know, that contrast of someone older in the game like myself and someone a bit younger would be good to kind of um, just cover those areas uh, when we have people on. So Stapes an awesome guy. I love him, and um, he's fun to work with. Awesome. Boys, I, love I love how well he speaks. Oh, are you going? <laughs> I'm going to ask the obvious Fire one. away, buddy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the obvious one. Where did you get the nickname? I got the nickname in college uh, from a friend of mine. I played with Jerry Dwyer. Uh, and Dwyer gave me that nickname because every time I come in to practice, I, my knuckles would be cut up. Yeah. And then I broke my, my, the time I broke my hand. Yeah. And then the time I hit the kid and the teeth went in my hand. Um, so he, he just started calling me knuckles and it stuck and, uh, carried that with me, uh, in NHL. Fuck no shit. How many times do you answer that question? Uh, a few. But a lot of it's funny. A lot of people don't know where I got it. They got you Chris's voicemail. You know, hey, I got it in it. Right? Oh, this guy's tough as nuts. You know? You've reached the voicemail. I've knuckle. got kind of a sorry one. Kind of a two parter here, Chris. Um Go right ahead. Who is the most whether I, I I guess during your playing career and or after overrated and underrated fighters i don't think uh any of them uh are overrated and i don't think in my estimation any of them are underrated any guy who does that job is fucking tough and it's a really difficult role um yeah you nice question Tori. um yes <laughs> any and no but no it it, it I, I hear what you're saying, but I've never I never rated players yeah. on toughness. Honestly, I never said, "Oh, this guy really tough. This guy isn't so tough." Because if I did that, I'm going to do myself a disservice. I, I if a guy's fucking ready to go on the ice, man, you could fucking win in in, in one punch, and you can lose in one punch yeah. like that. I respected them all because they did a very difficult job and I knew what it took to do that job. And I wasn't a real big guy. Um, you know, I'm just six feet like your cousin Joe, right? He's yep. six feet, right? Something like that. Yeah, 5'11", yeah. 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 And you're fighting a lot of guys. that. What I will say, I think Bob Probert, one of the toughest ever. I think O'Reilly is one of the toughest ever. And... A guy who doesn't get mentioned that fucking destroyed people is Clark Gillies. God rest his soul. And yeah. God rest Robert's uh Probit's soul. Uh I became friends with Proby. I absolutely love the guy. Um, but O'Reilly fucking tough as nails. Fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Clark Gillies, <clears throat> I saw him fight O'Reilly three times in the playoffs. O'Reilly kept coming after him. Split him open a couple times. O'Reilly get all stitched up. He come out, fought him again. Uh, <laughs> cut him open again. He came after him again. Just blood. And then um, 
Clark Gillies fought Ed Hospital in New York in, in, in two punches. He, he he broke his jaw and cracked his cheekbone, knocked some teeth How out, destroyed his face. With two punches. On that question, Turner. Well, I was gonna say, great answer, shitty question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about like the new tough guys now, like Reeves? Like, what do you think about him? Well, I, you know, he does the job. I think he. he a little more bluster and you know he likes to yeah, talk more that. but you know style he's he, that's cool um just different you know you don't have to fight every night now because there's only a few guys that do it or be willing to do it uh and he's one of them i like the kid in montreal i love him uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought, Jack, I like yeah you know what I don't like about Tom Wilson, I think he's tough. He's a great hockey player. But I don't like the fact that Reeves challenged him and he wouldn't fight Reeves because he didn't want to sit in the penalty box for five minutes with a guy like that. I lost a lot of respect for Tom Wilson that night. Reeves was in Vegas uh, and and Washington was in, uh, in Vegas playing it. Reeves tried to get him to fight, and he wouldn't go. That fucking pissed me off. And then when you see what Wilson did in New York, yeah. right? And that's okay. He ragged all Panarin. Um, you know, no one did nothing. But then Reeves comes there. What happened? Did You know, yeah. did anybody do anything? Yeah. You know, it's like, so yeah. that bothered me. Guys who, who kind of, you know, when it's time to fucking show up, show up. You you're you're getting called to the fucking carpet. Yeah. Fucking don't tell me I'm too good a hockey player to fight you. No <laughs> fucking. I hate that. <laughs> That's awesome. When do you feel like that really changed? Like, because I feel like early '90s, '80s, like somewhere somewhere around the mid '90s, to me, it kind of changed. Mm. I don't. I can't tell you when it changed. Be honest with you, I just know what I did when I was there, and I know what I see here and there. I didn't follow the game that closely when I get out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of followed it more, um, you know, since twenty ten to now, a lot more closely than I did uh, when I retired. Because you'll see guys, you'll you'll see something happen now, and no one does anything. Like I I, I saw something. Sorry, this is totally out of uh our questions from the gallery but uh what's the guy's name from edmonton puyarvi he's leading the team in fights with two (laughs) like and you've got two of the best players in the world well you know yeah it's um that's just the game has changed right you can't afford to have a guy around that um can just fight you got to be able to play and that's yeah. to me when I look at my career. It's the biggest accomplishment is I became a, a full time NHL yeah. player. I was on a key line in that organization for years with Carbono and Ganey. I know both those two guys are Hall of Famous. I was playing with two Hall of Famous on on most nights, and we we had the big job of checking all those big lines. That was awesome, you know. Everybody think oh the fighting. Fighting was great. It, honestly, 
people, I, I say it, that was easy for me. I, I did that easily. It came natural to me. Hockey didn't. So to work and get to a point where I could be put on the ice in any situation, I was on the ice defending the lead, you know, when they're pulling a goalie. That's, hello. You're like, that, that to me, that's was the real reward. such yeah, a big sure. problem, you know? And that's oh. what a lot of people say about <laughs> yeah, Probert, seriously. too. Like, he was a good player. Probert is a great player, you know? Yeah. He's a great player. But, you know, today, again, people, the teams can't afford to have guys like that around unless they can, you can get them on the ice and they're not a liability. Right. And, um, you know, I I still like to see the odd fight, you know, I, I, I think it was really crazy in the seventies and eighties, you know, like nineties. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I like the fight game. Um, and the odd time I don't mind seeing a, a guy drop his gloves and fight, but I, I hate now where if a guy takes a clean check, fuck everybody gets crazy. Like, oh my God. Can't yeah. fucking hit my guy. I can see a guy getting a cheap shot. You do something, but a clean body check, you know, it's part of the game. And I think back in our day, you saw if a guy took liberties with someone, your best player, yeah, then you're going to fucking do something. But, you know, you, you got to be able to take a check in the game. And I, I remember my father telling me, look, Chris, you're going to get hit in that game. Fucking, you got to take, take, the guy's fucking number, get him later. You didn't fucking just want to beat everybody up because they hit you. It's part of the fucking game, you know? But someone does something nasty, something dirty, then you're going to jump in there. I, I'm all for it. But, fuck, you got to take a hit, too. You give enough out, you ought to be able to take it. Yep. Love it. He's right. Chris, you, you mentioned uh, the guy that was always at the rink first, Guy Lafleur. Um you know, maybe a quick story or maybe the best moment you had with him. What was it? What was it like playing with him? I had a bunch of great moments with him. I love he, um Awesome guy. Uh, I was with him the night he retired. He dropped me at the airport, said, I'm leaving. You know, I'm done. Um, I played with him in New York when he came back. Phil Esposito came to me and said, huh. he said, do you think LaFleur can score 20 goals? I mean, yeah, for sure. Even now? I said, yeah. He scored 18, but he missed 29 games with an injury. So he'd have scored the 20. It, yeah. and then he would have got more than that. Probably would have scored closer to 30. But, um, you know, I remember being on the plane with him. I sat in the back with him. Uh, I remember him taking me out my first year. Um, he was coming back from an injury, and I was just the new guy. And they had a, um, a day off. But Gee had to skate because he's coming back from injury. And I had to skate because I was a rookie. And we're in Verdun. And I show up. I thought it was just me. I had to go. And I show up there. And who's in the locker room? Gee. He's, hey. And we end up um, talking and um, went out on the ice. And it's just me and Gee LaFleur. Yeah, before I'm in college playing fucking hockey. Yeah. College. And all of a sudden, I hating Gee LaFleur. And then here I am out in the ice with him, passing me pucks. I'm shooting. It was awesome. Then we went to lunch afterwards. He was an awesome guy. He would be at the for eight o'clock game. He'd be in the room at three o'clock in the afternoon. I would show up around four. Um, I'd be the second guy. Um, I got to spend a whole lot of time with him. 
he'd have a coffee, cigarette, couple of hot dogs, maybe for the you know three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> of the game. I'm and he's having a round of golf. He he go out there and rip fucking three by the goalie like nothing, <laughs> like crazy. Drew, is that what is that what you tell your guys to have? Coffee, no, darts, and office. hot dogs before that's the game. I'm yeah. eating hot dogs in the office. They're eating protein bars and shakes and. Oh that's yeah, incredible. yeah, that's that's wild times. You can though, live too clean, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cheat oh, day, shit. Cheat day every every day for G. Um, hey, I wanted to ask too, Chris. You coached a little bit too right away, and I think you coached three years: one in the NHL and then two. I I couldn't remember the league. And he won Coach of the Year, I believe. In the East, in the East Coast League, I coached. Nice. How was that? Enjoy it. I loved it. You know, I love coaching. Um, I the team moved from Chesapeake down to Jackson, Mississippi, and I fuck. I didn't want it. I thought I'd been gotten up to the American League quicker than I did. Plus, when you're at that level in the East Coast League, you you, you got to be saddled with a general manager who's moving up. Yeah. And I was with a guy that didn't seem like he was really going anywhere. You got to have somebody that that knows you and has faith in you as a coach. Other than that, if you don't, you got to stay in that East Coast Hockey League for a long time. And I just, you know, I, I, I thought I'd been in the American League a lot quicker. Yeah, right. The I was a finalist for the job in Providence. You know who got the job? Pat Burns was pulling for me. Um, Peter Laviolette got the job. And the reason he got it, which I was told by Mike O'Connell at the time, who was a uh, general manager in Boston, he said the reason why Peter got the job uh, over you was, and Pat wanted you, and we did want you, Chris, but Ed Anderson, the owner of Providence, uh, Peter played in Providence for like three years, and he was really close with the owner of Providence. And that guy really pushed for Peter, and Peter got the job, Uh, you know. Listen, politics can work for you sometimes and work against you. And it turned out Peter was a pretty good choice, too. So uh, he's had a great career as a coach, no question. Yeah, but you get to live in Hawaii now. So suck it, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'd rather be in Jackson, Mississippi, but I'm getting eating crawdads. (laughs) <laughs> actually, actually one of our one of our former guests wilson fur he's from jackson mississippi fun fact there you um, go. Uh, so i, right, I i've right. got a stupid question here shocker when you guys go out for dinner did you ever go anywhere other than steak or sushi would you go italian ever or chinese oh or... yeah we, we go italian you um, just told us you yeah. had hot dogs with ghee that's all they had they had yeah. hot dogs yeah. depending <laughs> on what city on, you know bros. Like, a lot of, uh, yeah, we go Italian. Uh, I, I, I didn't eat a whole lot of steak uh, the night before the game. I always felt too heavy with it, you know. Um, a couple days before a game, yeah. But the night before, never. You know, might have chicken palm, or, you know, pasta. Yeah. Oh, the that best. was a thing back in our day. Pasta, pasta, pasta. Wow. And salad. What was uh what was your favorite road city to go? Well, back in our day, it was obviously L.A. because it was the one warm weather climate. You know, I <laughs> love Vancouver. I love Vancouver. Um, um, Boston, obviously, fun city. 
Quebec City was, was fun, but we never got to stay there because we were so close. Yeah. Um, it was fun going to New York, you know, with rookies on the team, and they'd be like, you know, in the jungle, like, what the fuck is this place? You know, it's so big. <laughs> you know, uh, Chicago's a fun town, you know. Now there's a whole lot more teams, right? Florida teams and San Jose was fun. Um, yeah. Okay, so Most of have- the cities are good. It would be easy to say which are the worst. Buffalo, <laughs> the, city they forgot, the city they forgot to finish, right? <laughs> they started building it. And, and and they sat down for lunch one day and say, you know what? This fucking isn't Fuck, working. We're, we're out of here. We're fucking done. So they fucking got out of town. And then yeah, they fucking rolled one... rank on a basketball. That's right. No, that wasn't a Buffalo. It was in Boston. <laughs> um, Winnipeg um, gets a lot of fucking shit, but everybody who plays there says it's a great time to play in. Most Canadian cities are good to play in, but a shit city to visit. Winnipeg. Okay, my last. I, I my know last where. Question. Go. Let me go first here. Okay, this is a really quick one. Mm-hmm. Can you say Jolly Rancher for me? Jolly Rancher. There we go. <laughs> what if Chris just punched you through the screen? That'd be sick. I would I love that. that. It would hurt. I didn't know, I didn't know Troy most was on people, this one. Most people say, can you say Park the Car and Harvard Yard? <laughs> Park the Car and Harvard Yard. Yeah. yeah. I, all right. <laughs> Chris, we asked this to Cam Jansen a while back. No. If you had to pick one hub city to be in for 30 days playing hockey, you can go out and do all the things you want to do, what would it be? What city? Current right now, yeah. Currently today. Play in one city. I can't pick Montreal. <laughs> sure you can, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if let's say another city other than Montreal, I would, um, if I could spend 30 days there playing the NHL, I would. Um, um, Do you want to know what Cam said? And that might make it easier. Yeah, what did he say? He said, fucking Vegas. <laughs> Is that even a question? Yeah. Hey, there's fucking Vegas. Fucking Vegas. Dumb boys. Fucking Vegas. How about fucking Calgary? Because I'd love to play for Daryl Sutter. Whoa. Really? All right. Wow. Curveball. I always liked that guy. Really? The one brother I really like. Him. (laughs) Do you dislike the others? Yeah, I didn't care for him. Shelio said the best. He said, the Sutters are fucking overrated. I said, why? He said, fuck. Everybody said, oh, they're such hard workers. Said, the only reason why they look like they're working hard is they can't fucking skate. They're on the goal like this all the time. <laughs> Shit, I should ask for the most over- overrated Sutter instead of the overrated fighter. And that no, was- I, I love Daryl Sutter as a coach and a player. Yeah. Uh, good guy. But um, I'd say, honestly, I... You know, Vegas would be fun, uh, but, you know, the way I live my life now, uh, Vegas wouldn't be fun. Yeah. You know? It's fair. I, I don't drink. I don't 
partaking in any of that bullshit. So Vegas would be kind of fucking boring. And I would say Arizona. I, I, That's a ride, Joe. No, Zona. Nah, I you wouldn't go to Nashville. Nashville, oh, Nashville be sweet. I think I, I love Canadian cities. Not that I, I, I don't like U.S. cities, but I'd say I, I'll do a stint in Vancouver. 30 days. I love salmon fishing. 30 days in van. I love to salmon fish. Maybe I do a little fishing while I'm there. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I'll take van. All right. Boom. Lock it in. Lock it in. He's, he's, he's actually at Regina. He said, I'm in. 30 days in Regina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rip, do you have anything else here for Chris? Tori? I'm good. I'm good. This has been fun. Yeah. So I could ask last. Uh, any questions, so I'll just let him go. It's been an hour. Chris, for uh, hey, I want to say, Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, obviously, we all appreciate it. You know, ho- hope we can do it again down the road. Yeah, um, no problem. You know, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep going with your podcast. Keep doing it. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I had it, Joe. You see him. I will. Good luck, boys. Uh, I hope the podcast does well. Thanks. Lost Mountain Distilleries spring seasonal releases are here. They have a ton of great options for this spring and summer, like hibiscus lime vodka, sweet tea vodka, local coconut vodka, and local watermelon vodka. With the nice weather coming, it's time to get out on the patio and enjoy a taste of Saskatchewan from Lost Mountain Distillery, Saskatchewan's first micro distillery. Keep an eye out for the ready-to-drink beverages, raspberry mojito, gin fizz, and mango seltzer, which are coming soon. Can't make it out to the distillery in Lumsden? No problem. Their products are available online or at most retailers across the province. Head to lastmountaindistillery.com to learn more. Alrighty, episode 133 with Chris Nyland. What a nail gun. What a beauty. An absolute story teller boys thoughts in the pod awesome love the boston boys love the fighters i know we and and guys have voiced this we need to get back on the golf train Mm -hmm. um but this time of year it's a little tough but we are going to get back onto that that is true 100 but i hope this is entertaining for everybody because i was entertained are you not entertained yeah. He's just he's so old school, it's hilarious. Yeah, he's uh no complaints on my end. I thought he was a beauty. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, that's he, awesome. Tell telling hearing stories about like Guy Lafleur and you know, smoking cigs and crushing hot dogs there at three o'clock for an eight o'clock game. Uh him there at four. Um, you know, he played on a pretty important line in Montreal. And that's one thing too, I think we didn't realize though, is that like back then the enforcer role. They they played big roles and, and they weren't goons. Like, like the word goon to them is like calling them a bad name, which is I totally respect because they're not. Like those guys play some important roles. So, like he played on a big line. He Carbono and who was the other guy? Bob Gainey. Bob Gainey, yeah. like Both Hall of Famer. That's you know that's like some Hoffers. playing with There's a couple offers. Yeah. Like I just you know like those guys had a very important role. It's very it's so cool to hear about that 
And, and not only they weren't there more or less to fight, they were there that they could play hockey and then also do this. It's like, oh shit, they shouldn't do both. Fuck. <laughs> so important roles. Good dude. Looks like he's loving his life for now. He's podcast with Timmy. Um, uh, raw knuckles. He's in a wire now. Yep. Sign me up. I did like to that, that he talked about like every time now there's a big hit, people think there needs to be a fight. He's right. like, no, back then, like if you have a big hit, you know, it's a big hit, but unless it's your star player, just let it go. Or or yeah. dirty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but now if there's a big hit, it's like, oh, I gotta go fight now. Like like what like the guy should have had his head up. But no, I don't know. I I thought he was awesome. I like those Boston guys. Deadly. Okay, well, we should get back on this uh, you know, you know, regularly. Regularly, uh, more podcasts, we'll more it. golf <laughs> regularly. There it is, college graduate. Um, more podcasts, <laughs> more golf, more sports. Just kind of do it, you know, once a week again would be nice. Sorry on my end, but uh, yeah, that's all I got this week, though. Pretty sweet. If any of the Sask, the Saskatchewan golf guys. Whoever, like, let us know if you want somebody. Yeah, we can make it happen. Hopefully. Yep. I want Riles. Need Riles. Yeah. Marty Ring, Ron Stewart, Ziggy. You guys go kidnap Ziggy, and let's talk to him. Couple silver bullets. <laughs> you kidnap. Couple silver Guy. bullets at the tourney, boys. Yeah, um... like we'll pitch in for a pack of cigarettes for the guy. <laughs> Let's It'll just right. meet, meet them in Air Range. We'll drive up there. Well, all of us. We'll just fly into Air Range and just hang out for a day on the ice. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, while we're... Uh, yeah. Let's get this done, though. Get back in the pod. I enjoy it. Missed you guys. Missed talking to you guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, Turner, keep rolling in hockey. Tori, keep doing your thing. And uh, yeah. we'll chat hopefully next week. And if not... Uh, Sooner or later. Oh, Turner. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I got one more thing. Wayne Robertson, he's a listener over here. Um, thank you for the support, buddy. And uh, Nina told me you want to get out for a round of golf, so uh, we'll figure something out when the weather gets back better here. So, All right, Wayner? There it is. Wayne. There we go, Wayner. Here we go, Wayne. Yeah. Wayne Robertson. Wayne Robertson. Give him a follow. <laughs> At Wayne Gretzky19 Robinson. Um, okay, there it is. We'll talk, we'll talk to you fellows next week. Uh, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Peace. See ya.